Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I'm Christian Jack, joined as usual by my great team, Marty Thompson, Charlie O'Connor-Clark and Benedict Rhodes. On this week's episode, we'll recap Saturday and Sunday semi-final from Calgary and Hamilton respectively. We'll look back on the seasons of the two losing semi-finalists and near the end of the show, we'll celebrate the seasons of 2021 of Calgary and York by naming our combined best 11 from each team into their 2021 form. Not as easy as it sounds. Get your pen and paper out. Try it. But first, we start in a very cold Calgary. That's right. Spruce Meadows as Calgary FC 1, Pacific FC 2 on Saturday. Taron Campbell got the Tridents ahead in the first half with a great goal in the 33rd minute, a deserved lead. Calvary responded as they best know how right away at the second half. Karifa Yao with a thumping header. And in the end, what went down as a Marco Carducci own goal was a game winner in the 105th minute. Uh, forever first, uh, forever first, our first extra time, our forever first, first ever playoff semi final. Gentlemen, uh, good evening on this Monday. Good to speak to you both and all three of you, actually. Uh, but look, wh- where do we start here on this game? This was, uh, I think, best place to start is overall for a neutral. Benedict, what a match this was. It was just a terrific playoff game. Yeah, it's everything you want in a playoff game, right? Two of the best teams in the league going head-to-head, of course. And uh, you always want some nice weather, of course. And it was pretty cold out there here. That's Canadian <laughs> weather for the semifinal. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the, the Stars kind of showing up in this game. No Marco Bustos, unfortunately. But Taron Campbell stepped up. Manny Apariso, uh, some people were saying, was maybe one of the best individual performances we've ever seen in the CPL. That's mm-hmm. something I'd probably agree with. And uh, yeah, just everything you could want in a semifinal, I think. We'll get to Aparicio in a second, an undisputed man of the match performance. Uh, Marty, let me go to you because you've been on the Pacific train all season long. Um, heading into the game, six losses out of the last nine. Cavalry were on a roll. It felt like Cavalry had the momentum, but Parmaduka would tell anybody wish, willing to listen, none of that matters. It's all about this game. And to be fair, the way they kicked off and started, he was right. Yeah, huge shout outs to the people that reached out to me after the game saying, uh, Congratulations. Uh, Pacific <laughs> winning that was uh, that was uh, that, that broke some 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 work protocols for me for sure. Um, this Pacific team, I know we kind of touched on it it's probably now months ago, but um, they just bring that intensity, they just bring the same thing every game. And they were a team that played outside of their form, they just played like again, like it was a one off game. Um, and you can't doubt the intensity that was brought by players like Campbell, Aparicio. Um, the back line, Thomas Miller, Jaguar stepping in, uh, Jordan Haynes bleeding at the end of that game. Like it all, it all came together in such a such a neat little package, which makes them, I think, um, not that far off to beat Forge in the final. Yeah, it'll be a fantastic final. We'll have plenty of days to preview that. And um, boy, well, go get your tickets, by the way, because they are uh, available yeah. and very cheap as well. Uh, very, very affordable. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, less than 30 bucks. Go watch a major final. That'll be fantastic. We'll get into all that later. Um, Charlie, this Pacific team always seemingly had this in their locker, but it has to be said we yeah. hadn't seen it down the stretch. Why did it work this time, do you think, compared to why it's not worked in the past? That's a great question because this was a very resilient performance from this Pacific team, right? They had to weather a bit of a storm, didn't have very much of the ball in possession in this game at all. I think right. they were around 30%, 30, 35, less than 40 for most of this game. Uh, but they hung in there. They stayed in a fight. And even in, even in extra time, you know, they had to do a lot of defending, which is not easy to do, especially with, Lucas McNaughton, their best defender, missing from the lineup. But I'm really not sure what it was that, you know, really put them over the edge this time because 
they've had they've had resilient performances and they've been able to to tough things out like this before, but maybe not to that extent. And I think it really is a testament to the group and just how much they really wanted to get over that hump and get into that final because we know that they're a very close knit group and, and a very well coached side as our cavalry, of course, but this was a team that just seemed to really dig in in a really difficult game, a fairly disjointed game at times. And they were able to just kind of get the job done in, in any, any way that you can. They had a little bit more of that drive and that intensity, especially in extra time and, you know, the way they scored, which I'm sure we'll have to talk about. Yeah, we will get into that and we'll get into cavalry in a second, but you mentioned it. You know, I had the privilege of being there and talking to a lot of people there before the game and then obviously during the match and after the match. And I spent a ton of time behind the benches. And, you know, often I would find myself going where the storyline was. And, you know, not to say that Cavalry's bench wasn't action-packed and, and very insightful, but standing behind Palmer Ducar and his, and his staff in a game like this, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think uh, people would have really noticed how, how lucky they would be. I would have charged probably $200 for that privilege, guys. It was an absolute <laughs> thrill. You know, James yeah. Merriman's there and obviously Mark Village and all those guys, and they're so passionate. Um, every player, they were trying to get to, to, to connect with them every time. Even when Kunli Dadalut came on, Palmer Dukar made it a priority sometimes at the stoppages, three, four times, stay with the player, stay with the player, go make sure you run. And the, the ferocious and sometimes the fourth official, boy, oh boy, that guy needs thick skin. Uh, but no, they, they're, <laughs> they're, they're berated at some, at some points. But, you know, it, it is a great group that is playing for their staff. You can see it. They're running every time. They're trying to connect every time. And they seemingly wanted it so much. And sometimes you've got to earn the right for the fortune. And so we'll get to the goal in a second. But that is a great victory for Palmer Dukar. It's a monumental victory for Pacific. But Palmer Dukar, Marty, is a player's players coach he's a players coach that connects everybody you talk to love playing for him a couple of players said to me i, I speak to him, i feel like i'm gonna run through a brick wall with this guy and that's what he is he looks you in the eye when samaki and dixon came off both hurt both destroyed the mm -hmm. time it was it wasn't just a high five it was a general hug and get in here for 30 seconds moment with him maybe we can start to talk about manny apparicio now for a second because this is a player that literally went to pacific for the culture and went for pa he right. saw him in the bubble in pei cooking chicken on a barbecue and said <laughs> you know what let's give this a try and it's indicative that manny has now become someone who's, who was on this very show just last week has become like such a core part to that team even though he's only been there for one season because you can tell that he's playing for something that's that's way more than just the individual. Same can be said for Taron Campbell, right? Like Loki, Charlie threw it out there this weekend, but like potential MVP candidate. Right. And he was fantastic in this game. He was playing with magic, right? He had that shot off the off the uh, back post in the first couple of minutes. He's another player that's clearly playing for Paw. And I mean, Marco Bustos, we've heard him talk countless times about how how important he is. And it's funny you, you mentioned just that because there was one brief moment on the broadcast when you're talking about the bench, like there was a set piece early on in the game and it's like it was super tense, obviously. And it almost came off for, for Pacific. And you just saw a shot of the bench and James Merriman's like laughing at Paw. And it was clearly it was something he cooked up in training and just like, oh, it worked. That's funny. And yeah. you're sitting there like you're smiling. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it is, and you know, Charlie. You know, you've had a privilege of, of of talking to Paul a lot. He's just got that personality, you know, where you just feel yeah. like he's gonna, yeah. you know, the, these guys are just connecting to him at the moment. And that, you know, we'll get into this. We have plenty of days to talk about the final and not beating Forge yet, and how they learned their lesson yet, and how they got close to beating them at Tim Hortons. We'll talk all about that another time. But right now, this is a significant achievement for this for this man. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's been the same kind of mentality and the same sort of sort of message pretty much the whole season where Pa and his Pacific team are in a sense kind of one-minded. They have, you know, the way that they want to play, they have their own thing. They're not listening to really anything outside of their little club bubble. They don't really care who they're playing against. They're not they're not a team that is very likely to change the way they play based on the opponent, which other teams do quite frequently to varying levels of success. Sometimes that's the way that you should do it. But Pacific yeah. as a club have been very, very focused on developing a culture as a club, right? And it's starting to really pay dividends just with the way that, again, we see even after this game ended, after the extra time, I'm sure KJ, you saw it a lot more up close, but it looked like this team was just absolutely thrilled the way that they were mobbing each other and and just just all over the pitch on on the on the road in Calgary it really looked like a, a special moment that they had been working very hard for for i guess for 2 years now under pa yeah you know talking to them a little bit they're staying in the same hotel as me actually talking to them a little bit the night before <laughs> i get the sense that they were almost ready to kind of take that underdog label and enjoy it and thrive. All right, you don't think we're going to win this game, guys? All right, let's go out there. It kind of fueled them again after that, you know, yeah. the long year where they're like, oh, okay, we can, you know, we led for much of the year and we kind of faltered. Okay, let's go out there and prove it to them. People to them. Then, look, we could easily be talking about Cavalry here. One bounce, the ball there, penalty shootout could have gone. It, you could. That's the game, right? So it wasn't like they were fundamentally far better than Cavalry. We'll get into Cavalry in a second, but they did earn the right to get the right bounce and they got one and they scored the goal. But I do think the way they played the first half contributed to them winning the game because as much as Cavalry sat back afterwards and said, how did we lose that game? And I know Tommy Wilden referred to that after the match as well. First off, they were outplayed. Pacific were the better team for 45 minutes, in my opinion. Cavalry came out and dominated in the second half and got Yao's goal and were really on, really pushing them deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, but fittingly, Benedict, it seemed like it was supposed to be an extra time game. No, two teams have been so close to each other all year. Three wins, three draw, uh, three wins, three losses each, and a draw. Here we go again, another draw. Let's figure this out over extra time and not penalties. It, it felt fitting that these two, and especially in 2021, will be the first teams to go to the first extra time in CPL history. Ben. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I was a little bit like 2019 Forge and Cavalry. Like, you know, the, you know, these two teams are, are two of the best in the league. You know, they're capable of matching one another on the pitch. And it's kind of just who's going to get the lucky bounce or maybe who's going to get some luck and, and make an opportunity and, and take full advantage of it. And obviously Pacific did that an extra time. But yeah, you mentioned in the first half Pacific were just a different class, I think. Yeah, I do. I, I do agree. Agree. Aparicio was tremendous, as you guys mentioned. Like just watching him, what you you know, one minute he's springing out of midfield and he's joining the attack, and he's almost a second striker. Then he's winning the second ball, and he's sprinting back to cover Farsi. Then he's back deep in midfield, and he's making up the numbers. That he was absolutely immense. He got tied a little bit in the second half, and then found another gear uh, in extra time and contributed to the counter attack, the transition moment that led to the big goal. Um, where do we start with this? I think Cavalry would be disappointed, Charlie, that they gave the ball away, first of all, that yeah, initially. Yeah. They should never have done that. That would be a disappointment for them, no? The way they gave the ball away initially? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think there are several points in just that one sequence that Cavalry will be fairly disappointed with themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you can't stop playing, even if you think the ball is out of bounds. You, you can't do that. But yeah, giving the ball away, especially that deep in your half, is unlike them, to be fair. It's not mm -hmm. something that they'll often do. And but again, it's a testament to Pacific's ability to win duels on the day, right? They were 
quite a hungry team. They like to press high when they had to. Uh, and they did make life difficult for Cavalry, which, you know, manifested in, in the most dramatic sense in extra time there. So I guess, you know, in, in a sense that that does make a lot of sense, which yeah. is saying the same word too many times, but <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like I do know what yes, you mean. Yes. Yes. Totally. Get Cavalry. It. You, we can argue whether or not they were the better team, even at extra time. And at many points they were obviously after going down, they had more shots certainly than Pacific in the extra time periods, but you can't say that Pacific didn't deserve to win because they absolutely did. So it's a close game. And I think, you know, we said going into this game that it felt right for yep. these teams to meet in the playoffs for one of these teams seasons to end at this hurdle. They've been up against each other all year. They've played each other. I think seven times heading into this game, dead, even nothing to separate them. And there's nothing to separate them over 90 minutes either. They go to extra time. It just felt like the pro the right way that this story was going to end with one team kind of, getting the bouncer and as we said earlier you make your own luck so it's specific that you know we'll go on to the final in a couple of weeks yeah some chances right for cavalry i think about the ball in the box and joe mason's header right over the bar i thought i was yeah. going in the net there's a number of moments I did too yeah and it has to be said that and i think charlie forgive me if it was you or, or benedict one of you wrote it that their efficiency in front of goal combined to the chances they created is really low this year you know their expected yeah. goals is higher than their actual goals I think it's 17 out of 28 league games where they scored one goal or less. Think about that. 17. And they had a very, I would describe their season as very good compared to what they had to go through. They almost yes. could have been top of the table, but in only 11 out of 28 games, they scored two goals or more. And in this game, they had to score two to win and they couldn't. And it cost them, you know. And I think they'll look, that, they'll look at that with the quality on the pitch and they'll say, it can't just be about the number nine, right? Farsi's had a great year. Escalante did well on that side. Fisk. Really good year as well. Maybe a lack of quality in midfield from goal scoring. You know, whatever you say about Dikiara or Ledgerwood or Simmons or Latori, not a lot of goals there. They've got to figure out a way a little bit because they did score goals from set plate pieces. And, and again, in this game they did, but from open play, they struggled. Now let's get into the moment. When it happened, as the ball rolled over the line, immediately as it gets closer to the line, the crowd from behind on the grass bank shout, out straight away as soon as the ball's in the net yeah. and the cavalry all run to the to, to the to the yeah. sidelines but i think pretty important we has to be said that the official the assistant on the side immediately starts running back he's not even there as they run to the sidelines right. he's not indecisive he's immediately running back he believed that that ball stayed in and that's enough for me guys that's yep. all i needed yep. to see yep. i didn't see a conclusive piece of evidence to say oh there's a massive amount of gap between the ball and the line and that was enough for me my there's no there's no controversy in this for me because and as charlie and i were talking after the game until again until i actually see something that suggests the ball was over the line i have no reason to to, to think it's anything else. And if anything, it's just to congratulate Pacific and Kunle Dada Luke, who scoring indirectly his first goal of the year after having a, an, an impressive uh, late season surge. Um, uh, for me, it just, there it's nothing like, again, it's like you're, you're bang on Christian. There was no, the, the referee was in the great, was in a great spot and, yeah. and balls in the net. These, assi question. these assistants are really good guys. They, yes. they're, re they're really good. They get a lot of things right. You know, and we question whether the assistant that in, in, in the middle of the Canadian, you know, in a CFL, sorry, in a CPL or a CFL or whatever sport, one official in the middle gets a lot of, a lot of 
eyes on them. But this particular official on the side's job is to see that line. And I thought, yeah. okay, it's, you know, the crowd behind thought it behind, but you know what? The crowd behind was also Calvary fans. You know? So, you know, <laughs> I would expect they're, the, they're on the line, you know? Um, so, you know, look, it's, we, we have to play within the rules we're given, you know, but I don't even know VAR or anything that could have come in that would have said, you know, any look that we showed, any look that I looked at, I had people at one soccer sending me stills. I, you know, it's, it, for me, it was, it was one of those where if the official had put the flag up and said the ball's out and the ball went in the back of that and disallowed the goal, but you have to trust them. You know, um, so as I said, no controversy with me. All right, before we get it's, to the game in Hamilton, sorry, go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, just I just quickly to add, I mean, it's a moment that will certainly hurt for Cavalry fans and one that they will remember. But at the end of the day, they didn't lose this game because of a blown call or because of that moment, right? Right. You right. Know, they, they had more than enough chances to score one themselves to either yep. put themselves ahead or equalize. And, you know, at the end of the day, again, it'll hurt and they'll remember that next year and it'll go down in Cavalry's history. But it's not a blown call, and it's not the reason that they lost this game. Yeah, yeah and you over a dozen chances on net, right? Yeah, over a dozen chances. And yeah. you covered some of that, Charlie, in your piece. Uh, for for more analysis, campl.ca. You can read Benedict's analysis on that game, and Charlie talks about why Cavalry will not be winning in 2021. Um, Cavalry were on the front foot for long stretches, Benedict, as you wrote. Uh, how would you look back on their season here in terms of what went wrong for them? In the end, it was a testing season, you know. As I said, I think there's some players there they can really build around. Uh, what about them going forward? How do you look back on this season for them, Benedict? Yeah, as, as I've already mentioned, I think goal scoring was the problem. They, they had a, one of the, our, the best defense in the league. Uh, that, that was that was clear. Dan Klomp's one of the best defenders in the league and has been all season. And But uh, just, just going forward, maybe you said they maybe need more goal scoring in midfield. Maybe maybe a Sergio Camargo wants to drop back into more a more central role uh, going forward and, and maybe create a bit more centrally. But uh Anything defensively and, and in goal, they're they're set. But just going forward, they need to maybe uh, find a way to get more goals from from a bit deeper than than just Joe Mason or Anthony Novak or whoever starting up top. Tommy Wilden Jr. told the press afterwards, "We'll be there again next year." Also, was very magnanimous in defeat. I thought in terms of quite classy in complimenting uh, Pacific on a terrific rivalry, which is great for us. Great league rivalries. That's what we want. It just happened to be, and it wasn't necessarily the case, but it just happened to be the West rivalry versus the East rivalry, which moves us into yeah. Sunday's game. And uh, from the cold in Calgary to the rain in Hamilton. And let me tell you, it was raining hard and cold as well uh, on the sidelines. Uh, Forge, f- find a way. Forge 3, York United 1. But it wasn't as easy as that maybe sounds. Uh, Forge scored after nine minutes with a great, terrific goal and a great move by Tristan Borges, sending the way through to Rubens Pasias and a fantastic finish. But Michael Petrasso talking about fantastic finishes makes it even better uh, with a tremendous equalizer, forcing Forge to find another gear, which they did through Navarro. And then an own goal by Verhoeven from a great, great corner and I think an unrivaled corner to be honest it looked big, brilliant corner by Becker who then turned and gave it the fans which was uh, a little bit of fun as well <laughs> which we can get into as well uh, but in the end probably not probably the most deserved finalists I think out of this game we'll get into York and their season in a second uh, Charlie but your thoughts being there at the game and uh, fascinating now to watch Forge having to get pushed back to the ropes and then come out swinging again yeah, that was an interesting moment. To go into halftime tied was fascinating to me because obviously Forge score really early in the game, I think ninth minute, because of just a, a gorgeous piece of play from Borges to Pasias and a great finish. And there were there was about a 15, maybe 20-minute stretch there where Forge really could have put the game away. 
they could have buried York in the first half with quite a few of these chances. I think uh, there were a couple where I think it was Zator or Jordan Wilson just barely got a foot to block off a shot that right. probably would have ended up in the net. Um, you know, Josh Navarro was buzzing around the box and eventually he was rewarded for it, but not in the first half because they were able to get into those spaces a lot and Forge had them pinned back at times. But York, to their credit, stayed in the fight there. They defended just with every inch that they had. And then eventually the the moment comes. Michael Petrasso is a very intelligent, very talented player. And he has that awareness to see that Tristan Henry has come off his line and maybe stumbling a little bit and just send the chip in immediately. And it's a great goal. So I think York really did themselves quite proud in this game, to be honest, with the way that they hung in the fight. But then, you know, Forge are, they, they have a little bit more quality. They're further along at the moment. And that's where they kind of pulled away in the second half. Yeah, let's get into York then for a second, and then we'll finish off on Forge. Because when Petrasso scored, I was down on the pitch and getting ready for the halftime interviews, and I could hear Brennan and Stolteri all the time asking for more tempo and speed and keep going and focus. And you know, I think they were just desperate to try and get in at 1-0 at one point because it looked like it could go. And then suddenly they score. Yeah. And then you know they walk by me as I'm getting ready to interview Tristan Borges, and their eyes kind of lit up. They opened their eyes, and I just said to them, and I knew what they were thinking, you're in this, lads. You know what I mean? They're in it. Like Suddenly, you know, you yeah. got Forge with a pin back. The crowd's gone quiet. The rain's coming down. I said to you at Charlie, I think when I came up to halftime at the press box, all the ingredients of a potential upset here. You know, it could have happened, Benedict. You were there as well covering the game. It felt that way, didn't it? And obviously Forge found another way. But York, again, a team that weren't fearing this team. They've been there twice this season and beat them already. Um, and that, so York played their part, Benedict, as, as I know that you wrote in the past as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, you sort of mentioned uh, they didn't fear anybody. And that's kind of been a story of their season generally. Like they seem to go into every game just knowing they have a chance to win if they play well. And and that seemed, you mentioned it at halftime. Like, uh, you said it was everything to do with an upset. Like, it, it, was, it was raining. The turf was slippery. Uh, the lucky bounce could have gone someone's way. And, and But York were definitely making things happen as well, right? Max Ferrari on, on the wing was incredible. Uh, in the middle of the park, uh, Johnston and, Tuc- and not Toussaint, sorry, uh, Verhoeven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they, they were making things happen. When Lowell Wright came on, I think it was 1-1. And we were kind of thinking, like, Oh, is Lowell Wright going to come in here and and pull Lowell Wright and and do something crazy? And uh, it didn't didn't happen in the end. But uh, like Charlie said, York have a lot to be proud of in this game. Uh, didn't work out in the end for them. Yeah, I spoke to Jimmy Brennan for live on one soccer after the match, and he said that Forge probably just had a bit too much more quality. And in a recent tweet on Monday evening, replying to one soccer Ian Hume said the same. Uh, Brennan said, "Quote was a difficult season for this young group of players. Boys worked their socks off from day one with limited resources. Best group I have ever worked with, but did miss a few studs that made the playoffs. Um, so maybe that's just an example of you know hoping that he had a bit more better players, maybe. But at the end of the day, uh, whether he wanted the better players or not, Marty, we know York's method." We know that this was their plan all along. I don't think York hierarchy or anybody running that club would have gone. We wish we had better players. That this has been their plan all along. You know, they they've seen where Forge have been for three years, and by the way, they want to be there as well, right? This is their plan: re-signing a good a good crop of youngsters. Yeah. Tucson's got his new deal. Johnston, Ferrari, these guys are here to stay, mate. Right? So this was just part one of the building block for a, a successful season to build on. We've talked a lot about like the successful blueprint the cpl since 2019 and it really is just to build a core like this and go forward they're following the blueprint and it's way way ahead schedule i know that they called out a few uh, pundits for placing them last in 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 their in their preseason power rankings i didn't do that 
so I didn't put up power rankings, but they're <laughs> they're way farther ahead than than I think that they would even anticipate, which is great news. Honestly, the fact they made the playoffs is a fantastic achievement for Brennan and for the players. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's talk about Forge. They've got a big game again. Just keep replaying that. Big game again for Forge coming Always. up. They, they play every the Cocky Cup semi-final on Wednesday night live on One Soccer, and we'll all be over that on campio.ca as well as they get to take, take on Matevoa of Honduras in the semi-finals. Um, but this was a test, and I think they enjoyed being tested. You know, they played York in the last couple of games of the regular season and didn't certainly the last game mean meant nothing and i don't think they really got tested they certainly didn't care about the game in edmonton that i was at that as well um so they had they didn't have as much time off as york but they played a couple of games that didn't mean anything and i think that you know as every great champion can do they find other gears right they went through and found the gears in the second half charlie you wrote the analysis what worked for them to turn this around particularly in possession going forward well Really what it was, and the way Bobby Smyrniotis kind of explained it after the game is they didn't change anything, you know, even after they get scored on. And I think there were maybe the maybe even the five minutes coming out of halftime, York had a few tricky little opportunities in transition, which you know, there are there are moments where you think, okay, this might be a way that York can hurt Forge uh in, in transition or on a counterattack or something like that. But they just kind of stuck to their guns and you know basically played with the, the quality that they've had all season, right? Because, you know, they've they've got the players coming up on the wings. I think maybe the biggest thing that was working for Forge in this game was Tristan Borges as a number 10, mm-hmm. which has been a fantastic revelation for this. I think he first did that this year, maybe in the CF Montreal game. That's right. And I yep. think he's been playing there pretty consistently ever since. And it's really brought him back to life, I think, this year. Because he was struggling to get as involved as he'd like to be when he was coming in off the right wing. But now that he's playing in that 10 behind some quality strikers, I think he's got a good a good relationship with Passius, a good relationship with Joshua Navarro. I think that's made Forge even scarier because they maybe haven't always had that same, you know, attacking presence higher up the pitch because Kyle Becker is usually a little bit deeper down. He's not exactly a number 10, despite what his jersey might say. <laughs> So that's helped a lot. And then just the movement of these players off the ball, you know, Navarro and Passius and even Omar Brownie, just all these guys constantly looking for these little channels to run into and, you know, whatever space the York defenders might not have their eye on, the Forge players spot it first and they get in there and they're ready for those passes that players like Bordis or or Becker or, or one of the fullbacks can play into. And that's just what makes Forge so scary is that, these attacking players will pop up just completely out of nowhere if you're a defender and you 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 can lose them because they'll just kind of drift around and then all of a sudden they're running in behind you. Like Josh Navarro's first goal was just an unbelievable run just mm-hmm. to get in behind the defense and to stay onside. Yeah, it gets in those half spaces, right? Uh, but Bennett, exactly. you were there. What what impressed you the most about Forge watching him live? Yeah, just uh shape wise, they didn't really this is hard they didn't really change anything and and they they're so like sort of uh sturdy i guess in the, in the way they line up like you know who's gonna who's gonna be where and, and they just do everything they do right i guess <laughs> if that makes sense um like their back line especially you know kwame Wu, daniel kurtzen dom samuel i want to see say play on the right side as well like that, that's an incredible back line and when they're on their game it's impossible to beat them and, and york did once but uh it was gonna be hard to do it multiple times and and they didn't they don't give away many shots 
and for an uh, for no. a full for an attack that's looking explosive, the, the way that they work, I don't think they've had a player sent off all season, as well, which is an incredible start for me, discipline wise. They've been they're they're all not, in, not in a CPL at least. Yeah, well, we're not. Well, let's not talk about the Babuli Concacaf <laughs> one. Um, yeah, uh, they didn't have Babuli. They didn't have Welshman either. With little knocks, when I was told that was the official line, um, so they weren't available to play either. You know, for me, what they are do without the ball allows them to then explore with the ball. And the Borges thing at number 10 is fascinating because we've spoke a lot, guys, all season long about Forge. But I think the one thing certainly coming out of the bubble in mid-season was do they have the efficiency, right? What cavalry we're talking about, were they going to be converting? Yeah. We hadn't seen Brownie at that time. And at that time, they played, when, and I loved it. I was the first person to compliment him, and I loved it. But they played Janssen, Becker, and Cissé. Right. And it basically tells you the front three got to score you the goals or get one from a set play. And now what they've done is they play Becker and Janssen with Borges. And Cissé still plays because he plays right back because of Grant's injury. And Borges is a 10, as, as, as you said, has come to life because of that Montreal game, which allows them to press higher. And then they can yeah. come in the half spaces and then the others can, can combine. You've almost got that front four now. So whoever plays defensive midfield, whether it be, you know, it's going to be Hajab in the final, they've got to work and get away from Borges in possession, and then they've got to be on him when they come through him. And that's an enormous task. And this is similar to Borges 2019, Marty. Again, he's starting to explode and become the difference maker at the crucial time of the season. You're muted, Marty. I think Marty muted himself there. Our producer, Marty. Sorry, my cat keeps jumping in and out of the room making a bunch of noise. So <laughs> I, I locked mine out. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I somehow mine opened the door, so I don't know how that happened. I'll have to check that out later. Um, Borges. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, uh, Christian. I'm glad you mentioned just sort of the the build up in the season and the difference makers because Borges has done that. So it was like Navarro and Pasillas. I think it was Bobby who mentioned after the game, like just kind of reminded everyone that Pasillas wasn't with this team before uh, at the start of the season. Neither was Navarro, neither was Brownie, right? Like the, the team has, the team has sort of slowly built up into that. And it just leaves you to think, man, Forge is so good. <laughs> Forge is so good. They have, they just have so many players and so many options, right? I mean, yeah, it's you wild. Can look at, it's, you it's can wild. Look at this we, we may not see this in this league in a long time. There are like four forwards on the pitch and they managed to find a way to get them all in there. It's yep. just incredible how they managed to integrate new players and to get them involved reasonably quickly Pasias especially it's just so impressive to me crazy he's such a good yeah. number nine you know his one touch finishes are there to be seen right just that that yeah. little curl um i spoke to becker about it afterwards and i thought he was going to just brush it off but he, he he took me on and i loved it so i asked him about this <laughs> niggling from the york fans so if you were there you know you know where the barn street battalion is on the on the far end and then york fans went on the other side and that's where the corner was and they were sticking it to becker big time so becker <laughs> just gives the corner and it goes in the net and then he's like just turns around and just gives him a stare down and then he does the whistle he does the, this and then he points and so uh, good. i asked him about it and he just said yeah they were giving it to me so uh th that was great ma you know i really love yeah it, it was great. And we should also mention huge shout out to the York United supporters group there. They've done a great job yeah. this year, building up from, from, from basically nothing, obviously after the pandemic, everything, it, the, 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 the traveling support was good. So the fact that they did get some stick from Becker was almost worth celebrating. Yeah. That's what it's for. Right. Like, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. many, many a, years time, thousands, is... of, thousands of York fans are going to be like, Oh yeah, I was one of those guys, but exactly. you weren't really, it's just a few guys. You know, you know, you were the originals, right? Like it's yeah. the, this, yeah. this is the same as what we said before. Uh, you know, this is the Derby, right? Ben Benedict, you're a West Ham fan. You know what it's like to hate players. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
Yeah, you got loads of <laughs> loads of London players you hate, I'm sure. Right? Yeah. So yeah. good. There you go. All right, let's get into our best 11s. In celebrating the season of Cavalry FC and York United 2021, we were thought I would finish the show with a combined 11 of the two teams. Sounds easy. Two good teams. Yeah. No, not easy at all. Um, do you want to give out your 11s or do you want to go through by position by position? What do you want? How do you want to do this, Mai? I think we do we all have a back three? Uh, I do. Yeah, I do, actually. I do not. Oh, do not. there you go. <laughs> I think. I could only get, I, I got a back three in because it's the only way I could get these guys in all, all the same. Uh, should, we, um, should we start in goal at least? Who's your goalie? Who's your goalie? Nate uh, uh Nate Ingham or Marco Carducci? Uh, I went with Ingham. Wow. Charlie? I went with Carducci. Benedict? I also went with Carducci. Yeah, I went with Carducci as well. Just it was so difficult. Ingham's had a terrific close, close. year. Yeah. Uh, but I just I think Carducci just narrowly, but I mean obviously recency bias would say no. Uh but Ingham was very, very good. And by the way, he unlike Carducci, he had a fight on his hands for that net. Like he, yeah. you know, it was real. Mm-hmm. You know, Jensopoulos comes in and wants that net. And yeah. yeah, I think he had a terrific season, deserves all the credit. Uh all right. Let's go with Benedict's back four because everyone else has got a back three or five. So, Benedict, who's your back four? Yeah, from, from left to right, I went uh, Didi and Abzi, then Quamp, Dominic Sator, and Mo Farsi. Okay. So, you got a four. I think we've all probably got them four. We've all got them okay. four. Yeah. My Ian, Charlie, and me, I would imagine, all threw in Yao for a back five. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah the exact the, same. The yeah. same fullbacks and and Klomp and Sator yeah, as well. So, Farsi, yeah. Klomp. And by the way, I'm a right to left guy. Just throwing it out there. Uh, Farsi, what? Klump, Yowzator, Abzi. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> how many midfielders did you pick? Did you pick four or three? I picked three. Charlie? You got a two. Uh, I've, I've two. got two. I've got a three, four, three. Okay. So I've got yeah, two I central see. midfielders. Oh, okay. I see how you're doing this. Yeah, I could kind of do that as well. All right. Two central midfielders. Uh, we've all probably got two central midfielders. So let's go there. This was very, very hard for me. This is the hardest part yeah. of the entire game. Uh, Benedict, you've got two central midfielders as well, or did you pick three central midfielders? Uh, I did three. I did a 4-2-3-1. Okay. So I have like two holding midfielders and one a bit further up. So Let's talk the... about the two holding midfielders first, everybody. Um, Benedict, who's your two? Uh, I went for Isaiah Johnston. That's my hot take here. And uh, David Norman Jr. Okay. Oh, man. Johnston and Norman Jr. Good for you. Uh, Marty? I ended up going with Noah Verhoeven and... Nick Ledgerwood. Okay. I, wow. I started. I started with Isaiah Johnson because I wanted him and Ledgerwood after they had that scuffle in the bubble. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I ended up just switching up for Hoven and be nice on the left side. Okay, Charlie. Uh, I had to go with Isaiah Johnston to be honest. Yeah. Um, he's really impressed me this year, and I've gone with Victor Latoury next to him. Nice. What's great about this is we all love these players, and all of us are different. So there's I've, so many options. For I've their got, positions. It was so difficult. I don't know how I, I left Johnston out so you can destroy me. I went with Latori and Verhoeven. So we all went that's, different. That's yeah. fair. Verhoeven has been fantastic as yeah, well. I'm a big fan of his. And I like the left yeah. side. It's left foot guy. So all of us went with something different. That's great. Um, all right. Yeah. So yeah. Benedict, you have a four, a two. Then who are your three after that? Well, I kind of cheated. I put an overhoven in the middle of that three. Okay, um, so you got oh, like, okay. Ah, yeah. okay. So you got okay. three in there. That's okay. You're boosting your midfield. That you you went verhoven instead of Yao. I can see where you're going. All right, so throw verhoven out. All right, so we got verhoven in midfield. Now we need our wide players. So two wide. Everyone's got wide players, no matter what formation you're picking. Benedict, who have you got? Uh, on the left one, Ben Fisk. On the right one, Max Ferrari. Anybody not got that? 
Yeah, I. Uh, it was hard for me on the left side. Fisk right. uh, was very close, but I went with Escalante in the end. Okay. Okay. This is crazy. What about you, Marty? <laughs> You're not happy with that? <laughs> no, it's it's so so hard. So I went with Ferrari, and I just I I cheated and put Camargo on there as well. Okay, that's all right. On the left, not cheating. That's not yeah. cheating. He could play there if you want to play him in that. Ferrari area. could play your left side if you want. I've got Either Ferrari. One. I've got Ferrari and Fisk. Yeah, so yeah. that's my yeah. pick. Uh, and then that leaves one up front. Anyone got Joe Mace? Anyone not got Joe Mace? <laughs> no, nope, no lower right. Couldn't get lower right in there. Joe Mace, so close. The guy. So close. Simple. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. These teams have an incredible bench. <laughs> they do. <laughs> this is why I like the game. It was fun. So, yeah. uh, Benedict, read me out your eleven, man. Uh, yeah, you want to right to left, uh, Carducci in goal, then right to left, Farsi, Zator, Klomp, Abzi, uh, Norman Jr., Verhoeven, and Johnston in midfield, Ferrari on the right, Fisk on the left, and, and Joe Mason up top. All right, there you go. Rhodes 11 FC. Uh, let's see if we can beat him. Uh, Marty Thompson, what you got? Ingham in net, then Farsi, Klomp, Zator, Yao, Abzi, Ledgerwood and Verhoeven in the middle, and then front three of Camargo, Mason, and who did I say? Max Ferrari. Oh, Max Ferrari. Ferrari. There you go. Vroom, vroom. Uh, Charlie. Yeah. Yep. I've got Caducci, or Carducci, excuse me. And then I've got Farsi, Klomp, Satori, Yao, Abzi, as two of you others do. Uh, Isaiah Johnston and, and Victor Latouri. And then Max Ferrari, Joe Mason, and Jose Escalante. All right. And I've got Caducci, just uh, Farsi, Klomp, Yao, Zator, Abzi, Ferrari, Latouri, Verhoeven, Fisk, and Mason up front. That was fun. Let us know yeah, what you I think. I think Charlie's team's winning this. Yeah, he's got the Escalante so, factor. Uh, Good balance two, in that team. He's got two left backs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I mean they're both they're kind of wing backs. Like I, I would yeah, like Escalante to see him with an We know that. I'm just kidding yeah. around. He's played a lot. Of <laughs> but by the way, Escalante, uh, the little scuffle on the sidelines on the weekend that was that was uh, that was fun. It was fun to watch. I know, <laughs> I know a lot of people wouldn't call it fun. Uh, there's just some, let me just say there's some commentary that I cannot say that happened beforehand that led to it and uh, it all Ooh. kicked off. But uh, by, by the way, I was just smiling the whole way through it. As long as no one was injured, I love that stuff. Guys. Yep. Oh, it's, it's a good playoff game, a knockout game. Yeah. And you who, didn't like each knock other. Out, yeah. Yeah. Knockout game. And who bet? Anybody who bet Escalante would be in the middle of it, you wouldn't be winning any money because nobody would take that <laughs> yeah. bet because everyone knew that you'd be right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. All right. Quick word on uh, midweek CONCACAF League and then we'll get out of here. And as I said, lots of uh, action coming up in the next week or so because we've got two weeks till the final. So we're going to be all over that. Lots of interviews and lots of features coming up as we get into that as well. Uh, but I guess the the pressure off a little bit for Forge, already making CONCACAF Champions League next season. That's one mission complete. A bit more freedom to go out there and play. Benedict, what do you think? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Moba Bully start this game and, and see what he can do uh, up top. And and yeah, I, th I think pressure is off a little bit. They, they you mentioned they're, they've already gone into the Champions League. They're, they're into the CPL final, but obviously they do want that Con CONCACAF League trophy as well after coming so close last year. Uh, th this is definitely a priority for them, I think, as well. So you were saying that Babuli was intentionally rested? Is that what you're telling me? You reckon? Uh, I think he picked up a little knock in training. <laughs> Slight knock. Yeah, I saw him walking fine. So hopefully yeah. we'll see Mo and uh, Welshman out there uh, as well. Uh, I think we will. Yeah, we think we will. But yeah. what do you, do you guys all agree, Mai? This, I mean, I, this is this is a big club, Charlie. No, Mo takeaway. I mean, they're coming in. This is a a, a massive giant to try and knock off. These oh. guys know how to win trophies in Concacaf. Yeah, they're a very big club. They've got several players that play for the Honduran national team regularly started. I think two of their back four started against Canada. Um, yeah, I, I think I also think that 
part of this is Forge would really like to beat a Honduran team because mm-hmm. they've lost to the last two they faced in yep. Olympia and, and Marathon, and they're kind of completing the trifecta of the big clubs down in that country with this game. Um, so I, I, I think that they would really quite like to, to add that you know feather to their cap. And I, just, I mean, who's to say they can't? I, I, I know that we want to say that the pressure's off a little bit because they're in a Champions League, but they won't see it that way. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they will be very, very keen on winning this tie and winning this trophy, really, which they'll have a very good chance of doing if they get through Motegua. But it should be fun. It always yeah. is in the F League. It should be fun. I don't want to get too close to the whichever Guatemala team is going to be the final, but it does feel like this is the biggest team to beat. I just think I'm just going to throw that out there right now, Marty. Is that fair? What are you looking forward to here? Yes, uh, I'm looking forward to Forge uh, finishing off the trifecta, and then maybe getting another trifecta um, at the weekend. I guess as well. Yeah, couple. Yeah. It'll it'll be nice. Yeah, no, you're 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 bang on, Charlie. I mean, it's Honduran teams have always been tough. I, I think about that marathon game. Um, hard to play I, I guess that was we're coming up to a year on that uh yeah that was that was such a such a gut-wrenching game um and they will not be forgetting a match like that anytime soon no doubt about it join us uh all over that on campio.ca live on one soccer kickoff just i think after eight o'clock on wednesday yeah. night eastern time from tim horton's field in hamilton gentlemen this has been fun thank you for york united and for Cavalry FC for a terrific season. We know how tough it was. Starting in a bubble, games every week, games every four days sometimes as well. Uh, Cavalry yeah. have raised the standard of Tommy Wilden Jr. this season, and Jim Brennan and his young players have really shown up this season and been one of the great stories of 2021 as well. So we can't thank both those teams and organizations enough heading into a positive 2022. Gentlemen, can't thank you guys enough. As ever, brilliant analysis. Keep up the fantastic work. And uh, let us know, everyone, in the comments which team you like more. We'll speak to you soon.